What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Godly Dating Podcast. Yeah, another week, another episode. Um, hopefully, we have a good one for you guys. And if you're new, thank you for checking us out. We pray that this episode, as well as others, blesses you, encourages you, maybe even challenges you to do something more for God. Um, yeah, man, but I'm going to dive right into this. Life has been crazy, so... Very. Recording at all kind of ungodly hours trying to get this content out you know <laughs> but we are thankful for you guys being patient with yes, us thank in our, you thank you in our busyness of life but today i want to talk to you guys we want to talk to you guys about a topic we were planning months ago just never got around to it we feel like so maybe this is the easiest time to do it just more of a talking not you know lesson one two three right. format um but as you can see from the topic teaching people how to treat you um, so Sapa, I'm going to say, I'm going to just put you on hot seat. Why is it important for you, for you as a woman or you as a mom, for you as whatever, to teach people how to treat you? Because people will treat you how they think they should treat you or how others have treated them. Explain. And that that might not necessarily be the way you want to be treated. Um, everybody's different. Um, I'm trying to find an example. Um, for instance, um, let's say you don't like, you know, something a certain way. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. So I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a certain thing that, you know, that I could use per se. But I, I don't know a specific example, but everybody wants to be treated differently. Just like I feel like even in marriage or friendships and things like that, people might say things or um, react to certain things you may say a certain way and you know you might not like it even though they don't think they don't see a problem with it because it's something that you know maybe they've talked to other friends like that maybe they've talked to other uh, people they've had relationships with like that but that's not something that works for you so you just have to let them know it's important because if you don't let people know I think this is um, a severe part of it but they'll treat you like a doormat so you have to treat people how to you have to teach people how to treat you. I think that's where we normally get into arguments. One one problem that I always have with Safa is that she's too nice. Me, her problem is that I'm not nice enough. You know that one little thing and I'll blow it out of proportion. But her, I'll feel as though it is major, and then she's just so nice. She's just gonna overlook it. But but nah, you know, I'm not going to overlook disrespect. You know what I mean? So I definitely get, you know, it's a time and place for everything, especially because Jesus has to turn the other cheek. But after a while, you can keep turning your cheek until the day you die. And while you may think you're being holy, I feel like it's really taking a coward approach to life. And I, I don't want to say it at a risk of, you know, sound like I'm contradicting scripture. But in my opinion, if God says, Turn the other cheek. I don't think he's telling you, hey, guys, let's take abuse. I don't think that's where what he's saying. And I think a lot of times people, you know, in, a, in an attempt to to be Christ-like, they turn their doormats, you know. Um, I know one thing you used to say that your mom would tell you is that um, Christians don't argue or Christians don't. Um, it was something. Christians, Christians are angry or something. Yeah, like Christians that. don't get angry. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm just like, but the Bible tells you be angry, say not. So it's not the problem with being angry that, we, you know, that someone did something to you. It's a matter of how you how you handle it. Handled it right. You know, and, uh, you know, I don't know who the quote is from, but they said something like life is 
10% what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. it right. You know, so it's always about our reaction. I think it's, you know, we can overlook things trying to be, you know, trying to be godly. But at the same time, Jesus didn't overlook everything. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying you have to, you owe everyone a response. But like say when it comes to the temple and he was like, no, they're turning the house of God into a den of thieves. And he turned over the tables. A lot of people try to use that to justify Jesus having an angry side and blah, blah, blah. But that wasn't the case. It was just he saw something that needed to be addressed and he addressed it. You don't see him turn over more tables, you know, throughout scripture, you know. And mm. I think that's why it's important that we 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 make people know what the standard is in our life, what the standard is to be my friend, what the standard is to be in my circle. Because, yeah, you can love everyone, but that doesn't mean everyone deserves access to you if they're not. Treating, treating you, you the way you deserve. Right. Absolutely. No, I was just saying I agree 100%. Yeah, so one thing I'll, I'll mention, like a spiritual um, application, I want you guys to look at this story a little bit of David and Goliath. So we see the Philistines and you know Israel at war. Um, David and his brothers, David's brothers are already in the army, in Saul's army, but David isn't. David is just a shepherd boy out in the field somewhere. You know, no one looks at him as anything, you know, and the Bible mentions in 1 Samuel 17, verse 16, that for 40 days, I'm reading the NLT, for 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. Um, It mentions later on that he was, you know, making rude remarks. But the thing is, he was carrying on a certain way that Israel is walking in fear because of his size. Israel is in fear because of how big he is and you know his track record shows that he can kill him you know and he's just like why do you guys have a whole army like if you are big and bad send your best men and if we lose the philistines serve you and if you lose you serve the philistines and that's the approach you know he was taking you know basically the enemy big and bad and just all talk you know and then you know we see that he was trying to teach you know many of them you know david's approach was He's overlooked, but he's not going to allow him to disrespect God. So we're, while we're saying teach, you're teaching people how to treat you, I think one important aspect is we have to teach people how they're going to speak about God around us. Because I think a lot of us, you know, we have friends, we have family members who insult our faith. We have people around us that they talk about, you know, our God and we don't right. say anything. Mm-hmm. It's our attempt to uh, we want to win them. No, no, no. But after a while, you have to be able to address it. Right. You know, you have to be willing to say like, hey, well, you have a right to be atheist, agnostic, you know, whatever. Even in church and be lukewarm, you have every right to be whatever it is that you want to be. But I'm not going to come by, hear you saying this, and I'm not going to address it. Right. And that's why I believe that David was the perfect person, you know, to handle this. Because while everyone was, you know, walking in fear, David wasn't having it. You know, David right. was willing to say you know, who's this uncircumcised Philistine, you know, mocking our God, you know, so he immediately viewed him as a less than while everyone was viewing him as some great God they're terrified of. He immediately put it back into perspective that now nah, when it comes to God, you are no one, you know, right. um, but we see that throughout that that story, I want to show us um, jump to verses 32 through 37. Babe, if you don't mind reading that, please. Don't worry about this Philistine, David Tolstoy. I'll go fight. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. 
I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it uh, to the pagan Philistines too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who re- who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, all right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. So as we see from that, you know, David has been overlooked his entire life. You know, so his father just kind of throws him out there, you know, just take care of those sheep. You know, his brothers, they didn't even want him near the battle. When you read that story in context, they're like, why are you here? You're just trying to see the fight. You know, they don't want him here because they're like, you're not part of the army. You don't belong. And then now when he tells them, you know, like, no, who is this disrespecting God? Now Saul is looking at it like, dude, you're too young. You know, this guy's been killing people since he was a child and you're only a child. Mm -hmm. You know, so we see that people were viewing him a certain way, but David was letting them know, no, um, you guys are only viewing me as a child, but I were I was the one fighting bears. I was the one fighting lions. I was the one doing all of this. So he was showing them how to treat him. You're not going to view me as a child when it comes to protecting what God has placed in my hands. Yeah. I am actually a warrior and people don't even realize it. You know, so that's just a, a small little thing I want you guys to focus on. But and it's not necessarily to walk around bragging or boasting because it's only in, you know, in God's grace that we should be boasting. But it's the fact that you cannot allow people to force you into a box of complacency or force you into a box of silence because you're afraid or force you into who they want you to be rather than being who God has called you to be. You know, and I think this happens in all kinds of relationships, you know, and it even happens in marriages. You know, I'm sure there's been times when Safa would have to, you know, address me because she's trying to find specific examples, but I'm sure, you know, you've had to correct me because of something, you know. Right. I mean, I think that's, that's just a part of marriage. I think you're constantly teaching each other how to, because you're two different people. So you, I'm constantly teaching you how to treat me, and I'm constant, and you're constantly doing the same. I have to tell you my likes. I have to tell you my dislikes. When you say something that I don't like, I say, babe, you know, I didn't like the way that you addressed that. I didn't like the way, and and then you know, of course, your response would be, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't, you know, intend to for it to come off that way, or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I'll, I'll make it my best interest to try and, and, you know, not do that again or not say that again. You're, you're constantly teaching people how to treat you, even in friendships. And I think not saying something is teaching someone how to treat you yeah. um, as well, because it's teaching them that they could get away with whatever, yeah. you know, they could yeah, get away okay. with whatever. Right. It's OK. Um, I think of, you know, friendships. Often I hear people say, you know, um, you know, maybe they had a friend and the friend is talking about someone else they both know toward to them and you don't say anything. You just sit there and you just nod and stuff. You're teaching You're them how to treat you. Yeah. Because that person's always gonna come to you and they're always gonna talk mess or they're always gonna spread um, you know, basically um gossip. Gossip, right. They're gonna gossip because that's how they treat you. And you you taught them by not saying anything that that was okay. So just in friendships, um, relationships, marriage um, even at a work work life, um, that is something that you're always constantly teaching people how to treat you, whether it's your parents, whether it's your boss, and things like that. So, yeah, the reason why, um, definitely, what you said was important. I heard, I heard, once heard a guy, and obviously it may sound a little tacky, but 
I think it was like a real solid truth that he was saying. He was just mentioning how someone came to him and, you know, they were gossiping, like you just mentioned. And he was just like, I'm sorry, do I look like a garbage can? And the person looked so confused, like, what are you talking about? And he was like, do I look like garbage can? And he was just like, what do you mean? So he was just like, yeah, you, you brought, you're bringing a whole lot of garbage and you're trying to dump it on me. And I'm trying to figure out why do you think I'm like the type of person that, you know, wants to receive this? Like, right. you know what I mean? They probably never said never did like again. again, you know, <laughs> South and I were talking recently, you know, we have a friend and, you know, they're hanging out with their friends and people are, you know, people are being people, you know, and, you know, it's not their, not their scene, but people looked at them like, ah, oh, man, come on, you know, mm-hmm. let's just live a little, blah, blah, blah. You know, one thing I joked to Safa, I was just like, man, you know, it's 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 pretty cool, you know, to when people invite you out. But I was like, certain people know never to invite me out to things anymore, <laughs> and it and it's not because I'm a buzzkill. I I like to think I'm hilarious at least most days. I think Safa laughs at my yeah. jokes. Well, wow. um, <laughs> <laughs> but but my thing is, I do know that there are some people, and and it's not even to, to throw shade at them, you know, it's just the reality of, of life. Some people won't invite me to certain things, and it's not because we aren't quote-unquote friends or cool it's just they know what you want to do and what i want to do are two different things right so they know how to treat you exactly you know how to treat me you know and, and it's not even just because i come across as holier than now no one who knows me personally thinks i come across as holier than now um but my issue is like my friends that wanted to go to the club like you know my unsafe friends or stuff like that if every time they invited me there i said nah bro that's not for me eventually they're not going to invite me they're just going to go. And I'm going to see the pictures and it's going to be like, okay, cool. Right. You know what I mean? But I won't feel away because I know that's not for me. Right, right. You know what I mean? And the same way when I keep inviting you to church, I keep inviting you to the church event, or I keep inviting you to hang out and we ain't drinking and smoking and doing all that. The moment I realize you're never coming to any of these, you've, you're, you're, you taught me what you you like to entertain. You taught me what you like to do. And that's the reason why we have to be willing you know, to... To not budge on our convictions. Proverbs 4, um, 1 and 10 says, my, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Or the ESV, do not consent. Um, basically, it's telling you that if people are in- constantly encouraging you to do certain things, don't budge on those convictions. Right. Because it's so easy to get lost in your way because you're going to think... Uh, just this one time, you know, but when you make a standard in your life, you can't budget, you know, and I think a lot of times we don't have true biblical convictions in our life. Many times people just have, like they say, suggestions, because when, you know, I heard a preacher say, when it's a a real conviction in your life, that means you're willing to die for it. You rather die than, you know, to to change what you believe. Like if you believe wearing white t-shirts is a sin, if everyone around you is wearing white t-shirts, you're not going to. If everyone tells you, bro, it's just a white t-shirt, no big deal, and you never wear it, that shows that's the actual conviction in your life. But the moment people are just like, hey, man, let me, let me, come on, bro, let's do this. And then you change, that wasn't an actual conviction. And you taught them that they can influence you to do things that you were holding dear to your heart, you know? So that's why it's important that we don't budge on our convictions. Right, no, I, I was just thinking while you were saying that, um, can you think of a time that you had to teach me how to treat you? Yeah, I mean, I I know it's happened, but man, you ain't you didn't you didn't have to put me on the spot like I did you. <laughs> um, all right, so perfect example. So 
I won't say perfect, but you know, so when Safa and I get into like an argument, one of her, I don't want to say like her default things is, yeah, like her default is to apologize. But in my head, she's not apologizing because she's wrong or she's not apologizing necessarily because she sees her error. She's apologizing to stop the whole, because she doesn't care for the, you peace. know. Peace. I just yeah. want peace. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it's. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall see God. Amen. I, I get that. <laughs> I, I, I do agree. But at the same time, I don't want you to choose peace at the sake of your sanity. No. Whereas yeah. it's eating you alive that I did something or I said something or I'm frustrating you. But you're just not going to, you just, oh, I'm sorry. You know, because you're killing the conversation. And it's teaching me that I can do whatever I want, say whatever I want. And you're just going to forgive me. And it's just like, no, I understand. I sound frustrated and you don't want to hear it. But at the same time, I want you to get what I'm saying. Right. You know what I mean? I don't want you to feel as though, you know, you have to, you have to just simply, you know, cave in in order for peace. When now nah, that's a that's a miserable way to live. I don't think that, and you know, right. any any marriage should be. And that it's way. definitely a work in progress. The reason why I asked you is because I immediately thought of a time um, that I, you know, of course, like I said, we're always teaching each other how to treat each other. Um, but I remember when we were dating and. Um, you know, you would get upset and you would just, this was, we were a long distance relationship. So most of, most of our conversations were all phone and FaceTime and you would get upset and you would just hang up. And I was just like, don't ever call me. Well, I didn't say that, but I just never returned your call. Like you hang up on me. Don't expect me to call back That was and a, don't expect that me to pick up when habit. you call back. So I would just let the phone ring and ring and ring and ring because I'm like, it's done. This relationship is over because because I'm not going to let you just keep hanging up on me every time. That's just something I I didn't grow up with. And so in that, I I promise you, you never did it again. Not in marriage. (laughs) We've been married for almost five years and he has never hung up on me if he's gotten upset. Ever. You know, I I don't want to I don't want to point fingers because definitely I'm to blame for my actions. But that was a, a bad habit I got from my dad. Like, I'll be on the phone and we'll be arguing. And my dad is like, I'm not going to argue with you, but I'm determined to argue with him. He'll hang up you know? <laughs> and I'll call him back. Like he'll answer again and we yes, get into it. And he'll hang up. And then sometimes he's just like, listen, like <laughs> I'm not doing this with you. And that was that, but I learned from it. And it's not good. Obviously it's not good. Um, I realized how bad it was when I realized I started doing it <laughs> and then the aftermath. And then one of our brothers actually does it. And I don't even, I don't even try to call him. You know what I mean? So it's just like, Exactly. Not a pattern continues. Right. You know what I mean? So that's why you have to understand that, you know, if you find that disrespectful, that someone hung up on you, but the moment they call back, you're rushing to answer. Nope. That's you teaching them. You're budging on your convictions. They're going to they're gonna keep doing it because they realize you're just going to answer. You're just going to anyway. answer anyways. You know what I mean? And that's why it's important to not budge on your convictions. And the reason I say that, because like right here in my notes, I wrote down, imagine if, you know, a cop pulls you over because you're speeding. And then, you know, the moment they pulled you over, so boom, you're in a school zone, 15 miles an hour, you're going 40. Or you're on the highway where it's at 55, and they pull you over going 85, and you say sorry. And the cop is like, you know what? Because you're sorry. I'm going to just let you go. Go ahead, bro. Sis, you look so nice today. I understand. Maybe you're just frustrated. Go ahead. And imagine if every time they pulled you over, you just said sorry and you got away with it. Then what happens? You keep speeding. Right. You'd never respect the law. You'd continue to do whatever you want to do. You know, and this is what happens when we allow someone to continually emotionally disrespect us and we keep giving them a pass. You know, the, you tell them you're not going to 
you don't, you're not going to have sex before marriage. And the moment they're like, please, you have sex. You tell them, oh, I don't like the way you spoke to me. I thought that was disrespectful. Um, but the moment they say sorry, you let them and then they go back to disrespecting you. When you when we budge on our convictions, we're telling people that it doesn't mean that much to us. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have to be careful because it's so easy um, to, to get lost, you know, in the middle of, you know, just this one time. No, and then it ends up spiraling. Right. You know, but another thing I'll mention, Nassaf, I'll let you start off, is is this. I, and I think it's important that we we learn this concept of not laughing at things we don't find funny. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'll um, let you kick off. You know, it's funny you say that because I think that everybody, a, a lot of people struggle with that. I, I saw a status, someone posted a status on Facebook. I can't even remember what the status was now, but he was just saying... Um, I guess someone said something they thought were, was funny mm -hmm. and he just completely shut it down. Like no laughing. Mm -hmm. I think he said something, you know, to, to shut it down and not everybody could do that because it makes things awkward. Um, so you're, and then my personality, I've always, even if it's not, even if I don't hear the person, I do an awkward, like <laughs> it, it, they could have said, God bless you. Hey, <laughs> if I don't hear it. One so, of my boys did that. Too. Oh, good. Sorry. sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, no, you no. You're fine. You're no, fine. I don't want you to forget. No, no. All right. So one of my boys, like, I realized he never really listened to what people were saying unless he was act actively engaging in conversation. So one time, you know, he just, like, chuckled like how you just did. So I said something crazy, like, it, it wasn't this, but I said something crazy, like, man, I'm about to kill myself. And he started and chuckling. He and I was like, bro, I knew you wasn't listening to me <laughs> this whole time. And that's a problem I feel like I've always had to deal with um, because you don't want people to repeat themselves, you know, too many times. So if you, they repeat it, you say, huh? And they repeat it again and they say, huh? And then eventually you're just like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and that's something I do. And so I think that it's, you just have to be intentional. Like Tavar said, don't laugh at what you don't find funny. And it might, might be awkward. You know, but if you keep laughing at things you don't find funny, especially if they're inappropriate yeah. or if they're hurtful or mean towards other people or towards you, then people, they're just going to keep coming to you with the same garbage. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Safa would say I agree 100, um, <laughs> but but definitely agree. Um, one thing I want to I want to point out, you know, one of my boys, I'm, I'm going to use him as an example because he has thick skin, um, so I won't say his name. But he listens to the podcast, so he's going to hit me up as soon as he hears this. So there was a time when, you know, I posted about a flyer of a conference going on. And I think the lineup was predominantly white. It was only, I think, one black speaker. So it looks like, man, where's the, you know, where's where's the diversity? You know what I mean? And in reality, I could understand that. It's, it's literally a truthful thing. We We want diversity so that every person who comes in. If you're Hispanic, you don't feel uncomfortable. If you're black, you don't feel uncomfortable. If you're Asian, you don't feel uncomfortable. You want to see the diversity amongst church leadership. So I got that. But he was just like, man, it's looking real white up in there. You know, and I had to, you know, correct it because in reality, that's something you probably just laugh off. No big deal because you know he's not racist. You, you know, you're not thinking about it that way. His own pastor is white. You know what I mean? You know, so I just said like, so I, I basically shut it down, corrected it. Boom. We got over it. Then we spoke the very next day and he was just like, man, are, are we good? Like, you know, the way you checked me. And then I was just like, yeah, I checked you because I love you. You know what I mean? Because if I wasn't wrong, I expect you to check me. You know what I mean? And it's important that we we get to that point, whereas someone can say something and we don't ha ha and giggle it off. 
because then they continually say those things. And I'm not saying he'll never say another dumb thing to me. I'm going to say something dumb to him. You know what I mean? But I want to, I want us to get to the point spiritually, whereas if someone says something and it's not funny, we don't pretend it is Right. because then that, that starts uh, that little seed. You don't realize it, but you water something. And then mm-hmm. him, he, you know, he may have no racism in his heart. I may have no racism in my heart, but now I go to the conference that we were talking about and I'm looking like where all the black people at. Well, all Asian people, you know, and now that's in the back of my head because I allowed one little thought to take root, you know, so it's important not to, you know, laugh at certain things like, you know, I want it. It's going to be its own episode, maybe very like next week is something that I was working on. One of my boys, Axel, gave me an amazing idea about basically, you know, raunchiness, you know what I mean? And it's like it's it gets to a point whereas are those memes that you, you know, you're a guy, you only send it to you guys. You're a girl, you only send it to you girls. Are those memes inappropriate? Are we laughing at things that God isn't pleased with? You know what right. I mean? And it's just like, I get that you're not looking at it any type of way. We get that, you know, we're, you know, we're human. It's no big deal. But at the same time, there has to be a line drawn, right. you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what I just wanted us to, to take note of, you know, but I'll let Safa jump on the next one as we try to rush through this. Right. I, <laughs> and I think this is a problem I have as well. Oh, God help me. <laughs> so <laughs> but, this episode is all about you. Yeah, it seemed like it. You, you <laughs> preaching to me. But yeah, stop. we have to learn to stop saying yes when we really want to say no. Yeah. Uh, it's the people pleasing thing. First of all, it is draining. Yeah. You drain yourself trying to please people. And you're teaching them that basically you're a people pleaser. Yeah. They're going to see that because every time they ask you for something, you're going to say, you're going to say yes. You're never going to say no. God didn't call you to make everybody happy. Yeah. So just, you know, stop saying yes when you want to say no. And that's something I've always struggled. With. I think I'm better with it now. I might not say no, but I say I'm unavailable or, you know, yeah. I find another way to say it that's not just outright no. I'm not Tavares. He can do that. <laughs> Somebody yeah, asks him something, he's just like, no. Yeah, because it's like, I, and, and it's bad. And, you know, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but I, I, I want to make it clear. I'm not aiming to do that to be rude. Like, if you say, hey, man, I need your help tomorrow at 2 because of this. If I know at 2 o'clock I'm, I may not be free, sorry, I can't do it. And people are looking like, man, you even check your schedule. Nah, I just know I'm, it's not like I'm aiming to be disrespectful. I just don't want to give you false hope. And I think a lot of times we give people the illusion that we can, we can do everything. And the problem is so many Christians want to be God for other people. You can't. God is the only one who can meet every single need of person. Paul said in Galatians 1 and 10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So he's saying you cannot follow God and please the entire world. It's it's physically impossible. You know, unfortunately, everyone thinks, you know, we exist to, to make their lives better. And that was something we had to speak to my mom about once because my mom was, you know, complaining because of how drained she was with everything going on. And it was like, mom, you're drained because you're trying to help everyone right. without helping yourself. You're working so you can pay your bills and help someone else's bills. You're working and then you're going to church and then you're going here and then you're going there and you're allowing yourself to get pulled in 20 different directions. And you think, and sometimes we think God is calling us to that season of busyness. No, sometimes we are people pleasers and we're afraid that people are going to think we're selfish or people yeah. are going to think, ah, oh, you're so mean. When in reality, no, you have to take care of yourself because if we said yes to everything, 
then in reality we said no to everything because you cannot tell you cannot tell your spouse oh, I'm going to give you 100% and then you gave half of your time to school then half the other half of your time to work or whatever half to whatever it is you know you found yourself um you know being drugged in many different directions that now your spouse is competing for your attention now you're in ministry but the church is competing for your attention now you know whatever it is in your life is competing for your attention because you have a hundred things on your plate when God only told you to pick up three. And then we say we're doing the work of God, but we're doing work for God, but we're not doing it with him. Because right. God is not telling you you have to be in every ministry in order to be saved. He's not telling you you have to preach 82 sermons a week for you to, you know, be considered a minister. God is not calling us to that. And I think a lot of times we're we're saying yes to everything. Like that was the issue I had when we we came here to to the church we're at now. Um and it wasn't their fault. Like, so everybody from our church, please listen in context before you, you know, screenshot or, you know, whatever, tell pastor I'm bad enough. <laughs> but, you know, so. I think that's in any church. I, I think, um, you know, when, when everybody wants to be, I guess, a servant for Christ. And so at the church we, we go to, man, there are so many different um, avenues to, to do something for God. When I was growing up, the church that I grew up in, it was a small church. We didn't have the ministry team. We didn't have, you know, the media team. We didn't have, listen, you were uh, either on the choir, uh, you were either playing the, the instrument or you were preaching. But at the church we go to now, there are so many different it's things. Like you can work with things. the youth. You no can, they, trust me, they need people. And it's a big church and they have people, but there's always something to do. And so it's so easy to get caught up into, um, you know, before you know it, you're in a, a million different things. You say yes to this. You say yes to that. You say yes, because you want to you want to work. You want to help out for the kingdom of God. And people are asking. So I think I think, you know, that was just that was just a thing there. Yeah, that that's the point I was trying to make. Like that was the issue. It wasn't necessarily because, you know, they were overwhelming me. It was the fact that they would say. Um, hey, we need we help need with, this. with this. And I'm like, just like, okay. oh, I got some free time. You know, oh, Before we need help with this. It. Oh, I have some free time. Literally, I ended up in a, in two different ministries and I didn't even know uh, because someone just asked me to help them one day. And then I literally ended up one time being someone's assistant. And the second time I ended up on a Zoom call, I'm um, helping our, our, our nonprofit for our church. And I was just thinking like, all right. I have no time for my family and I'm in school full time and I'm trying to do golly dating full time. There's absolutely no way I'm trying to do so many things, right. you know, but my thing was I just wanted, you know, to to help, you know, and then eventually me just having trying to have a servant's heart. I ended up in too many ministries that I'm not able to give 100 percent in anything, you know, so that's when I realized, OK, let me take a step back. God, what do you want me to do? And if I can help somewhere else, I will. But if I can't, I'm not going to tell you that I can, because unfortunately, that's just going to stop me from actually doing what God did want me to do. Right. No, I, and this, I think was the first time I ever realized or heard you say just outright no <laughs> to, to, to church people. Someone asked of ours to do something and, and they were like, I guess, can you, can you do something? It was a last minute too. And he just said, no, no explanation. Sometimes you just got to learn how to say no without explanation. Somebody told me no is a full sentence. Right. And it gives you so much peace when you learn that. And it's like, it's, and bear in mind, there's some people you, you need to be respectful. But pastor asks me something and, and I just tell him no. 
he's not walking off. You know, he's like, excuse you. Right. <laughs> That's probably exactly. what he's going to think. Like, hey, you know, my pastor is former military as well. So he always greets me with a, what's up, sailor? You know, so he's going to ask me, sailor, who are you talking to? You know what I mean? Because he's like, oh, I'm high ranking, you know? Right. So, but my thing is, I understand everyone, you know, some people deserve explanation, whether it's, you know, people important to you, people leading you, things like that. But sometimes you have to learn to just say no. Um, you know, and it's just... Is more than spiritual. Sometimes it's literally for your mental health and, and it's your mental health. And it's not because I'm promoting an ad today. I promise I'm not, but it's legit for your mental health. It's like you're going to drain yourself. And I think a lot of people are emotionally and mentally drained in the church and they burn themselves out because they want to do so much no. and they don't know how to say no. And it's like, listen, you're so much more effective if you focused only on your Sunday school kids rather than trying to be the church bus driver and trying to teach 32 Bible studies and then trying to teach like, listen, if God called you to lead the youth, then go ahead and pour into those children. But don't try to do 17 different ministries when God said do one with 100 percent or do two. Order two or do ten. We're not saying just you know, do one. I ain't saying be lazy because I'm still very involved <laughs> and I'm at church almost every day of the week. You know, so please don't, please don't. Let's think I'm, I'm trying to backslide. I'm not encouraging anyone to be lukewarm or be lazy. My pastor would kill. He, he, listen, he always says, "Boy, I'll beat you if you're lazy." Like he don't say that to me, but he's like, "Oh, I, I don't like laziness and blah blah blah." You know, because he has a a, a heart for starting churches. Right. You know, he has a vision to start seventy churches throughout the state of Florida. Can't start and, him if you're lazy. and you can't start him if you're lazy. We're already on church um either eighteen or nineteen, and I believe that God is gonna give us seventy churches in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. But we can't do that if we're trying to start churches in Georgia, Texas. Nevada, you know what I mean? We have to be willing to say no to what God is not right. telling us to do and focus on what God is telling us to do. Right, right. And the last thing, um, last thing we uh, I'll mention, I'll let Safa dive into it, is having a conversation because you never want to assume that people know how to treat you. Right. <laughs> and I, I think that's very important, whether it's marriage, friendship, things like that. And I, I know sometimes I struggle with that. And I'm just thinking, you know, example wise, um, there are times when Tavares has, you know, upset me or he's done something. I'm like, why would you, you should know better in my head. I, I never said that out but loud. I but I don't know better, but now like, I know you, find, you exposed yourself on the podcast. I, I'm now. like, I should, I'm like, he should know, you should know that, you know, that wasn't going to fly with me. But then I think to myself when he'd be asking me, are you okay? And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then in my head, I'm like, of course <laughs> I'm not okay. You should know I'm not okay because you know, that was, I'm assuming that, you know, he, he just knows how to treat me. And, and you know, Tavares didn't grow up with me. We grew up in two different... Um, two totally different environments. Environments, you know. So so he's not going to know everything about me. He's not going to know what I like and what I dislike. We've been married five years, and that's something that in a marriage is going to take more than five years. You're constantly learning each other. You're yeah. constantly... So, you know, just having a conversation, and that's something I've had to learn as well. Be like, hey, you know, I liked when you said this, but I didn't like when you say that. I have to have a conversation. Communication is key because you can't just assume people and just know how to treat you because, you know, I don't know, because you're friends just because of that yeah um so you need to learn how to have a conversation yeah man i think you you said it well um definitely gonna wrap it up here but i think you said it well because no one is a mind reader and like she said i should have known better you know she's saying 
Well, well, we've been married a few years, so some stuff you should automatically pick up on. Some stuff I really just don't pick up on. You know what I mean? By the end of the day, we have to understand that even if that close friend or that person or that teacher or that that pastor, whatever it is, even though you feel as though they should have treated you a certain way, they probably didn't even realize they offended you. They probably didn't even realize, you know, something is a trigger for you. So that's why you have to be willing to tell people like, hey, yeah, when you said this, you know, no disrespect, but that that doesn't fly with me. You know, if you're willing to admit that or willing to say that, then that gives them the ability to address it, the ability to, t- to change. You know, so when all these points that we mentioned, I think we have to understand that we have to show people, we have, we have to expect that two things are going to happen. One, the person is going to change. They're going to see that they offended you. They're going to see that something doesn't work with you. They're going to see that something makes you uncomfortable. And they're going to change because they love you. They're going to change or because they love God. That's the area they're going to grow in and God is going to change them, you know, whatever, you know, that case may be. Or two, they're not going to change and you have to be willing to cut them off. You know, I'm not saying you sent that person to the pit of hell because they were rude to you. No, you just like, hey, the way you talk to me is inappropriate. I'm not going to entertain conversations with you anymore. That's cutting the person off. So that's a healthy, you know, boundary that you're creating, not not cancel culture, you know what I mean? But letting people know, hey, man, like if someone says something rude to me, hey, bro, you know what I mean? That was kind of disrespectful. And if he's like, well, I really don't care, then I just stay away. You know what I mean? Rather than me having to beat him up, you know? So, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, God has brought me a mighty long way. You know, I'm not trying to go back. Uh, But my thing is, at the end of the day, we have to be willing to treat people that... People, when when we address how we feel, and if someone changes, great. But if they choose not to, we have to be willing to create that boundary that says, okay, until you get it together, I'm drawing the line. Because if you don't draw the line, that person who was only with you and you know you thought that conversations were lustful is not going to stop. The person that was with you and you thought they were disrespectful is not going to stop. The person that was with you that that talks doubt into your dreams or talks abusive or toxic relationship rather you know friendship or whatever it is i'm telling you it's a whole lot of people that i genuinely just i have nothing against you we just don't talk like how we used to because my mindset is just different now you know what i mean so if we were if we were cool you know and best friends because we were at the club together great but now that i'm not going there if i can't talk to you about god then just like all right cool well i mean I'm not going to start talking about the club again just because mm-hmm. I want to keep you near me. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go back and do certain things just because I want to keep a friendship. You know, if that makes sense. Right. Sav is a woman of very few words. I am. I've always been. <laughs> it doesn't but, help that, um, you know, it's, it's late at night <laughs> as well. But. Yeah, man, we need sleep. I'm sorry. We kept y'all on here too late. But for those rocking with us to the end, we appreciate you. Um, as you see on the page, man, God bless us with a house, man. I just want to thank God for that. I'm just yeah, praying that good. that we can, you know, set up our little creative space so we can produce some more videos and mm-hmm. start recording Special these podcasts videos. on YouTube. Um, but yeah, man, we love y'all and we'll see you soon next Thursday. Peace. Peace.